that, that is some weird, wild stuff. That is funny. I did not know that would be so funny. <laughs> yes! <laughs> GIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Crema. Hi, everybody. TGIF indeed. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour. And as always on a Friday, or nearly always, we're ably assisted by bad boy Benny Mathers. He's right there at the board. We can see him hard at work. He's wearing his Coogs jacket. So obviously he is ready to treat this whole hour as though it were some kind of a sport. <laughs> yes, you are correct, sir. Was that Steve? <laughs> was that Steve Hartman playing uh, Ed McMahon there? No, did, Dana Carvey. Well, Dana Carvey. No, Dana was Carvey Carson, I mean, yeah. was Johnny, right? Right. Yes. And then it was Phil Hartman that I'm, did. Uh, my oh. mistake. Yeah. Phil, there was something that didn't sound right in my yeah. head when I said it. The late great Phil Hartman. There you go. God yes. rest his soul. Yes. There, when he would do that, he sounded more like Ed McMahon than Carvey sounded like Carson. Right? It was a great bet. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Time's gone by. I remember those days. And that, you know what? Now, let me see how far down the street I have to go to make this connection, Suzanne. There, we you chose that drop. It's funny. It's Dana mm -hmm. Carvey. It's Phil Hartman remembering the team of Carson and McMahon, The Tonight Show, all those. When we were growing up, watching this and i think we go back to the things we loved at a given time perhaps a specific year and we attach we associate with that we go yes those were the good old days though none of the good old days were good all the time otherwise we'd be talking about life on some other planet doesn't work that way on planet earth they get better with age but during while you're going through them they're not that good no, I mean, when you're dealing with it, yeah. and then uh, we'll all save this little bon mot for when we bring our gentleman, uh, our honored guest of the hour on Michael John Fierro is with us. He is a celebrated numerologist. We've got some mad props for him. And uh, Benny, good to be working with you, of course, in 2022, as always. And happy belated birthday. I know you had a good time. Yeah, thank you very and much. Yep, I'm glad to be here. Absolutely, as always. So now we have a guest who is going to help us put this year in perspective at the beginning. We know about those shows, you know, the year in review, mm -hmm. how about the year in preview? And now suddenly we're into it. Now it's yep. the middle of January and what goes on. Michael John Fierro has been working with numerology since 1984. He has worked with thousands of clients and lectured extensively around the country and on hundreds of radio broadcasts. He is the author of You Know Your Name, Look Up Your Numbers, An Introduction to Numerology. While originally from the Jersey Shore, he will be embarking on an extended cross-country journey across America. If you wish for him to come to your town for a lecture, book signing, class, or numerology party, he can be reached at michaeljohnfierro.com. We'll be sure to give that out again uh, on our break. Make sure everybody has his is a way to get in touch with him. And in the meantime, welcome once again to Manson Mitchell, Michael John Fierro. We're ready to talk numbers. How about you? Uh, yes, it's my life. <laughs> I was going to say, Michael, he's always ready to talk the numbers. And in a very significant way, 
he talks about uh, numbers in a system that goes back to people like Pythagoras, all those guys I didn't want to study in school because I loved words far more than numbers. Suzanne, you're much more of a numbers person. I was a numbers person. I was a math major initially for my first year in college. By the second year of college, I felt way out of my league and swamped and I, I gave up on numbers, but I've always managed to balance my checkbook to the penny. And uh, I really get into numbers and their significance. And I have discussed many times that the world itself is binary. Everything is yes or no, zero or one as a possibility. Now you work with all nine numbers though. Yes, I do. And what do they tell you quite a bit? Yes, they do. And 2022 is one of the things we're going to talk about today. The preview of the upcoming year. And Gary, you had a question right at the outset about a term. Oh, yes, this was great. I loved how you put this in a very erudite report that you sent us. It was uh, 2022, a universal six-year, and we're going to hear a lot more about that from Michael John Fierro in a moment, service, family, community, responsibility. These are the watchwords. Michael, let me tell you that when I was living in Las Vegas, this is back in the 80s, there and I went into a video store where it wasn't uh, Blu-ray you were looking for. It was VHS tapes there, and I remember looking in a bin, and they had you know like these are recommended by the uh, store operators, and one of them was a a tape that had a strange name. I'd never even heard of it before, and it was hard to pronounce, harder to spell. Called Gianniscazzi. It's a Native American term indicating life out of balance. And I thought, what might that be about? And particularly as we enter 2022, all these years later, please, Michael, tell all of our listeners, what is the relevance of that documentary, famous as it is, in comparison to what we see, for example, on the evening news? Well, as you said, the, the, the word Koyaniskotsky is a Hopi word, and it does mean life out of balance. And as I said in my essay, um, you know, numerology, uh, we go through these continuing series of nine years, one through nine, they just keep repeating. And in 2016, we are in a nine year. And one of the things that happens in a nine year, and this applies to anyone, individuals, companies, countries, whatever the case may be, a nine year is a nine to kind of review where you have been, what you have been doing, and kind of take an inventory to see what doesn't work, what no longer serves your highest good. And it's in that year that you need to get rid of that stuff because anything that's carried forward exacerbates. In other words, if you thought it was bad in the nine year, wait, just wait till you move forward with it. And in my opinion, and numerologically, in 2016, what we didn't do was get rid of the stuff that doesn't work. In fact, in many ways, we doubled down. And in my opinion, in many ways, we took a couple of steps backward. So all of that stuff that should have been corrected, all of that stuff that should have been discarded and moved away from is still with us. And as you can see, just watching the news every day, things seem to be getting progressively worse. And the, the reference to Klanoskotsky was last year, 2021, was a five universal year. Five in numerology in the nine-year cycle is the middle year. It's a year where you want to create some balance. It's a year you want where you want to make sure 
that things are not too far afield in any one direction. We didn't do that. Again, things seem to be getting worse. So the reference to Out of Balance in that movie, which I actually did see, um, I just felt it was appropriate. Because what we have done in this each succeeding year in this current cycle is we don't seem to be correcting anything. Again, we seem to be doubling down. We seem to be digging our heels in on stuff when what we should be looking for is new paths, new methods, new techniques, whatever the case may be, to get us out of this morass and malaise that we find ourselves in. And because we are so out of balance, um, that can have a great effect in this year. Um, again, in that cycle, every year, you need to do what needs to be done energetically for the year so you can continue to move forward and have growth and progress. We don't seem to be doing that. So coming into the sixth year, I mean, we had a five year that succeeded a four year. And in a four year, what you want to do is create the foundation and the organization and the systems. So you have something solid to build on moving forward. Again, we didn't do that. So 2022, uh, I'd like to be optimistic. I'm not sure um, that for me personally, that's even possible um, because the potential for things to continue to go further off the tracks is, is quite high in my opinion. You know, while that potential is high, it's not a given and um, there's, there's plenty of evidence even on the other side that in some ways people are waking up. Interesting that 2020 was a foundational year when that was the year that Gary and I, along with millions of other people, were in severe lockdown. I mean, we were so locked down in 2020. We rarely left the house we had some food delivered. We stayed here. We had projects. We had reading. We weren't even out. By 2021, the balance year, we got our vaccines, and then we were suddenly having uh, a meal in a restaurant on a rare occasion. We, we were out a little bit more than we were in 2020, but it, it's also interesting to me in this series of nine years that you've got this pandemic right in the middle of it, because I would think that that would have a great deal of influence about how these years are, are experienced and carried out even numerologically when you've got a pandemic landing there and it didn't go away very fast, did it? 19, uh, 20, no, 21, and, and, 22. And I think it's in many ways, it's going to be with this forever. And some new form of it's going to show up somewhere down the road, and we're going to deal with it again to a greater degree. The, the thing with the four-year, one of the things, in my opinion, that COVID showed us was the weaknesses in our system. Mm. All of the flaws became highlighted. The inadequate health care, the inability to make it to create and, and distribute supplies, the inability for the government to function properly and do what it's supposed to be doing, which is protect the welfare of the people of the country. So, yeah, we missed a bit a big step there. Now, we yeah. can always make corrections as we go along. But uh, all I see in review over these last five years is just continuing deterioration. 
Now, the other side of that, my opinion is this, that, you know, whether it's uh, addiction or whatever the case may be, sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you really come to that point, that epiphany point where you realize changes must be made. I'm not sure that this country is capable of it at this time. It's almost like we're living in two countries. Um, actually, my uh, my take on this whole thing is, uh, you know, the the concept of parallel universes. I feel mm. as though we have two parallel universes, two alternate universes occupying the same physical space at the same time, and we just keep bumping up against one another. Um, it, it's just astounding to me that we can look at things and get two diametrically opposed uh, takes on what is going on, and no one knows what to believe anymore. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I really agree with you about that. And I can remember years ago, um, 20 or more years ago, where I was having that experience with friends where their belief system and my belief system were doing that very thing. And I, it, it shocked me. It's like, really, you, you believe that? You think that? And, and I was surprised by people thinking considerably different than I was thinking, looking at the very same situation, the very same facts. And it does seem to me that that has gotten only more amplified over time, that, that now there, there is more and more of that. Interesting that you say parallel universes too, because we have talked about that with other guests. And I didn't think that that was going to enter into our conversation today. Uh, one of the things Gary and I were talking about this morning was, does this seem as to how things are going today to be a lot like the 1960s? Uh, in some ways, I mean, the 60, you know, I, I think we're all of the same generation. Um, it, that was certainly a, a, a decade where change, you know, starting in 1963 became a watchword. We had great social upset and turmoil and um, disturbances and war and everything else. Um, and yes, it's quite possible because if you look at 1968 it was a six universal year. We all know what happened there. Martin Luther King got killed. Robert F. Kennedy got killed. We were mired in 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 uh, Vietnam, and there was this again. Remember the 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 riots and the demonstrations in New York City, where the construction workers, the hard hard hat guys, were beating up the hippies. I do oh remember. yeah, oh yeah, and, and I you was know, in Chicago and, and, and in it's not that, you know yeah. maybe the costumes have changed, right? But energetically, to me, it's very similar in that regard. Because as you said, you talk, how, I'm astounded that people of my generation, people that I grew up with, who were part of the hippie culture, were part of that whole movement of change, who have gone so far to the right that I'm astounded that we grew up in the same era. Um, and I don't understand it. There's a lot of fear in this country. It keeps getting... Um, fertilized and nurtured and it keeps growing and growing and growing and it, it's kind of sad that we live in a kind of a post-reality world 
that no one knows what the truth is anymore. And, and it's almost, it seems to be on purpose. Uh, you know, it's that old, uh, the Harmon Garing thing, tell a lie continually and long enough and people take it to be the truth. And no one wants to listen. We don't listen to one another. Personally, I blame Facebook for a great deal of what's going on. I just think that they are one of the worst things that's ever happened to this country and the world. I think there is a lot of harm that has been transmitted through Facebook. It's almost like the misinformation and disinformation viruses found a very suitable host and means of transmission in Facebook and social media generally. I mean, Donald right. Trump, until they kicked him off, he was working that Twitter down to its last nerve there. And absolutely, we're 20 minutes into the show and Suzanne's pointing to the clock. We had a, a little contest between ourselves. How long into the show would it take for us to mention the name Donald Trump? We made it 20 minutes. There. But when you're speaking of uh, more generally, I think, Michael, you're talking about the power of social media, not only to inform, but its great vulnerability, which is its susceptibility to manipulation by those who know what they are doing. And, 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 and actually, it's designed for that. If you've never seen, there's a movie, a documentary on Netflix called uh, The Social Dilemma. And it's a series of interviews with the guys who designed all of those systems, Google, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. These are the guys that put the guts together, the back, you know, the behind the scenes, the, uh, the computer part of this. And to a man, every one of them said they do not allow their children to use the Internet. Oh, wow. Because they saw the one guy saw he said he went in the office one day, he says, you know, we didn't account for it the dark side of this. And by that time it was too late. And then because the algorithms in Facebook, they're all AI and they think along with you. And they can, and what they have done is they've put everyone into a silo and you get information about that, which you believe you don't see any alternative. You don't see the opposing argument on Facebook in your in your stream because all it does is feed you stuff that reinforces that which you believe which is dangerous and couple that with the fact that we don't teach social studies we don't teach civics in school most of these people out here I think if you I don't think you I bet you could go to Congress and give a civics test and most of them would fail because people yeah. just yeah. are not informed and that's where the sixth energy of this year comes in. Responsibility. Responsibility is one of the key words of the sixth energy. Six is about service to others. It's about home. It's about family. It's about community and organizations and government. It's the home. It's the number of home and mom and mother earth. And going back to what you said about the virus, I see COVID as a a, man, a physical manifestation of what we are doing to this planet. And Mother Earth said, okay, I've had enough of you people. This is what <laughs> I'm going to do to you if you don't start paying attention. Um, and if we don't start taking responsibility, look what we do to this planet. The ocean temperatures are now higher than they have ever been. The last eight years have been the eight 
warmest years on record. And it's not turn, we're not going to turn this around because half the world doesn't believe it. So we need to find a way individually and collectively. We need to take responsibility for ourselves, for our circle of people around us, and find a way to reach out and touch one other person. If every one of us could reach out and touch one other person to get them to kind of wake up, we could go a long way. Because as I wrote in my essay, the, the, the negative side of sticks is war. 1914, six universal year, World War I. 1941, a universal six year, we entered World War II. 1959 was a universal six year. That's when we started having all that trouble with uh, the Russians. And, and all of the Cold War was at its height. 1968 was the sixth year. Again, Vietnam. It just keeps 2004. We went into Iraq. So this is a sixth year. So war to me is a, is a potential um, situation that could show up if we don't find a way. Look, we have Russia saber rattling. North Korea shooting off missiles. It, we're kind of living in a... a, a a powder keg, um, and uh, I just uh, there's a part of me that just kind of fears. I mean, let's face it, we could have a civil war in this country at the rate we're going. And even I reference that in 1860, which was a six universal year, the process of nullification started in this country, which led to the civil war the following year. Well, we're kind of one year ahead, but last year we had the Supreme Court nullify abortion rights. And we have this nullification of voting regulations in states throughout this country. So, um, you know, I hate to be a pessimist and a Debbie Downer, but I just think that if we don't, if someone doesn't kind of wake us all up, to the potential of, of what could the, all the bad things that could happen, uh, I just I'm not sure what would what we're going to do moving forward. There is that huge question mark hanging, and you put me in mind of something, Michael, because in 1860, whatever else was going on, it was a presidential election year, and we got Abraham Lincoln. It's to me, if I look at it with the bird's eye view of history, it feels like in order for any great movement or any great event or series of events to take place, first, you have to get all the players on the field. Right there. So preserving the union, defeating slavery, and, and having then afterward to deal with the effects of this centuries long evil practice which was spread out through much of our growing country. Before Lincoln, who knows? With Lincoln-Douglas debates, I wouldn't know what to make out of that. But once you look into history and you see the election of Abraham Lincoln, everything goes forth, goes forth from there, including Fort Sumter and the, the secessionist movement and the beginnings of the Confederacy began the very next year, within a year of Abraham Lincoln's election, if I recall correctly. Right. 
Fort Sumter, right. South Carolina, 1861. And here we go. And look at the bloodbath that ensued, which was still on a um, ratio basis, from what I understand, was the bloodiest conflict in American military history. And we were fighting each other. Exactly. And again, so here we are in this sixth year where, again, if we don't find a way to come together, then this could very easily lead. And obviously, look at the 11 guys they arrested yesterday and what were they planning. Um, so uh, it, it's just strange and dangerous times. Uh, you know, as a child of the 60s, I never would have envisioned uh, us being where we are today. Gary said that exact same thing this morning when we were talking. Yeah. He said, I, I lived through the 60s and I, I never thought I would see anything like this. No. And, and so, and, yeah. it, and it's it's a sad statement. It really is. The polarization, the the total opposition. I say it's black. Well, then that means you have to say it's white because this is the only way this works anymore. You know, people, and, and uh, <laughs> the thing that gets me is the line. I mean, everything you say and do anymore is recorded somewhere. Right. So to take a stand on one day and then three days later deny that you ever said it, you know, mm -hmm. as, as uh, what was his name? Warren Wolf used to Warren Wolf used to say, let's go to videotape. You know, it's yes. there. Yeah. You, you, you're lying about lying. <laughs> yes. Yes. And in this case, two negatives don't make a positive. <laughs> no, not the algebraic formula. No. <laughs> Gary and I were referencing, I was referencing a, a book uh, by M. Scott Peck the other day, People of the Lie. And I read that decades ago, and it was about the evilness of lying and, and how that really sends things into a tailspin when people mm -hmm. are not telling the truth. And Sure, because it's so insidious. Yes. Because if you're lying, no matter who you are, you know that you're lying. You're not inadvertently lying. You made a conscious decision to say to somebody something that was untrue. And the fact that people continue to engage in that behavior willingly, it just, it's astounding to me. It doesn't say much for the human condition, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder how much of this, as we get ready to go to break, let me just drop this into the conversation and I'd love to pick it up with you, Michael, on the other side. This idea that there are patterns that can be recognized by people who are paying attention down through the centuries and the millennia. Is it a question of history repeating itself or was Winston Churchill, who was absolutely a very astute historian, was Churchill right when he said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does tend to rhyme. Right. We Although I think rhyme? that was a Mark Twain quote. I actually, I first thought it was Groucho Marx. No, that's why I, because I, I, I looked it up because I put it in my essay and okay. it's attributed to Mark Twain. That, that's another conversation we'll have sometime. I have seen the same quote in the past attributed to the Buddha, Groucho Marx, Abraham Lincoln, Winston Churchill, and name the athlete of your choice. And they're all saying this. <laughs> Somebody's well, plagiarizing. If I off that list, I'd go with Groucho. <laughs> <laughs> 
and with that, the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. Yeah, yeah. We'll go ahead and take our break. Michael John Fierro is with us. He is a celebrated numerologist. We're proud to call him one of those friends we have yet to meet, but we do see him face to face internally here on Zoom as we present him today on Manson Mitchell. Give us a couple of minutes. And when we come back, we're going to talk about whether history repeats itself. Does it rhyme? And how do you get out of that trap? Because a lot of us feel entrapped by the circumstances in which we as a society and even a world find ourselves as we are now in 2022. Stick with us. We'll be right back on AM 1150. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed numerologist Michael John Fierro. His by-the-numbers approach offers you a roadmap to your best life in 2022. On Saturday, Kelly Sullivan Walden, the dream doctor, joins us for another hour of dream interpretation. Learn how to navigate life with direction from your visions in the night. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Michael John Fierro. Michael John Fierro is also the name of his website with a .com at the end of it. And Fierro is F-I-E-R-R-O. If people want to connect with you and and learn more about you and what you do, um, Michael, is your book still available? Can yes. they get your book? Yes. You now know I'm, your name. Look up your numbers. Right. Uh, I'm off social media. I got off of Facebook two years ago because uh, I was done. I just couldn't take it anymore. I was tired of arguing with idiots. I run into enough of them here <laughs> in the grocery store that I didn't need to do it with people I don't know. Um, so I'm, there's no social media presence for me other than LinkedIn anymore. Okay. But, if but, but then go to your website. Me, 
they go to right. my website and they contact me through that. And I Excellent. actually, I, at the end of the year, I had reduced my prices for all my readings and everything else. So very good. Do you Very get good. into, and this is so interesting to me because I have not yet graced the shores of New Jersey, which I'm sure is a source of great relief to the populace, but someday I'm going to visit there. Jersey Shore, baby. That's right. He's holding up his sweatshirt. There, when you get into these grocery store kerfuffles with people, do you hear, do you hear people saying independent of verifiable accomplishments and certainly a lack of context? Do they say something to you along the lines of, this state, when Chris Christie was running things here, it went a lot better. And the same goes for New York City when they had Rudy. That's the way, those were the good old days instead of this crap. You know, uh, I live in a county, New Jersey has 21 counties, and I live in Ocean County, which is probably the most Republican county in the state. I'm talking probably 70%. Um, so this is, it, it's hard to believe that I live in the, in the middle of Trump land. Um, and now I'm starting to see Proud Boy sweatshirts and this kind of stuff, which is a little frightening. Um, so I, when I'm out, I just, I ignore people. I put my mask on. I don't talk to anybody other than my pharmacist. I just avoid people. Because here, I mean, Omicron is ripping through New Jersey like crazy. And you go to a grocery store, and at least half the people don't even have a mask on. They don't even give it a thought as to, you know, okay, the whole personal freedom thing is such a bogus argument. but Because they all forget that line in the Constitution about the government is to has a go something to the effect of to promote the, the welfare, the well-being of its citizens. Isn't that what the government is about? So how could them attempting to stave off a pandemic be a bad thing? But it's been made into a bad thing. Vaccines have been made into a political issue. I just find, can you imagine, we grew up in the 50s. Could you imagine if this was polio instead of COVID? We would have a nation of wheelchairs. If because if the attitude that exists today existed when we had when polio was running rampant, imagine where we would be. I'm oh, just well, now, yes, you got me thinking, Michael. And if we dug into it, I'd put five dollars on it. Maybe I should do a little research. I would not be surprised if some bomb-throwing cartoonist back in the late 50s and early 60s had an iron lung, a cartoon of an iron lung in which was inserted Uncle Sam with his coat, his tails, his hat and all that, because that's what we were facing as a society and a culture. Right, and, and, and it's a good possibility, but the difference is there was, you know, unless you bought the newspaper that that editorial cartoon was in, you would never see it. We had three news networks. That was it. And it was news. It wasn't opinions. There weren't people who have no idea what they're talking about telling you what that you should be doing. So, yeah, I think there's always been the bomb throwers, quote unquote, throughout history, no matter what it is. But today, everybody has a megaphone. Everybody has a stage. Everybody can attract followers for the most 
abstract, unbelievable ideas out there. I mean, you know, come on, the, the, the Democrats are running a pedophile ring out of the basement of a pizza place. Right. And people right. are actually believing this. <laughs> and one young man went to do something about it. And uh-oh, guess you made a mistake there, buddy. And they found a woman yesterday in D.C. outside the Capitol Police office with a car full of guns. She was there to investigate and get answers about the, the election. And she will listen better if she has a car full of guns? I, I imagine so. I imagine. Wow. And they, they, even that, I mean, not this, I don't mean this in a sexist anyway. I'm astounded at the number of women mm-hmm. who are in that movement. Yeah. I well, mean, because, yeah. you know, women tend to not usually um, get overly violent or overly aggressive when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know, yes, they'll participate in a march and stuff, but you know, you just see those videos and you wonder what what's going through these people's minds. <laughs> it's it's I, just amazing. I can remember um, when CNN first got started, because I am that old, and uh, it was fair and balanced reporting. And it was interesting to watch CNN where they said, well, on the one hand, we have this, but on the other hand, we have that. And the viewer to CNN was hearing both sides and left to ponder where the truth is because both sides were pre- presented. And then that went away when, when Nixon got together with Roger Ailes and they were talking about, you know, putting together a, a right wing television station and all that kind of stuff. All of a sudden, the whole fair and balanced reporting went away. And then you're listening to sides. You're either MSNBC or you're Fox. You and know. it was interesting. Remember when Fox used to use fair and balanced as their yeah, I do, tagline? I do, which was a You know, joke. now I noticed that CNN is starting to throw that phrase back into the mix. And I have to say, CNN does do their best to kind of a, a present both sides. And MSNBC, as much as the people on the right want to say how biased they are, and yes, there's a bias there, but they do present people from both sides. You'll never see that on Fox. You will rare is it that you'll ever see a Democrat on Fox News ever. Oh, I'll tell you a Democrat who was on Fox News recently. His name is Joe Manchin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the oh, other oh, thing- and here's here's a phrase I never thought I would utter in my life. Thank God for Liz Cheney. <laughs> yes. 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 Exactly. Yeah. He has more cayons than the entire Republican Party right. put together. Yeah, and the thing I like about her, she has nothing to lose. Nothing. Mm-hmm. They kicked her out of the party. They want nothing to do with her. She has nothing to lose, and she's on a mission. Mm-hmm. And I think of all the people on that commit on that committee. She yeah. is the one that is going to keep them focused, mm-hmm. uh, and. She's not going to allow this to continue. So it'll be real interesting when the live hearings start. Yeah. Because the question I pose is, who's who's the John Dean? Who's going to be John Dean in this mess? No, you've got me thinking. Because I remember when he offered his testimony, both before the Senate in those 
nationally televised hearings. I'm thinking of Senator Sam Irvin. There's a guy that knew how to run a committee. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, and of course, Howard Baker is right. Well, what did and, the president and know and when did he know it? And Republicans holding Republicans to account. Not Fellow jumping locks in. You know, yes. this, this is wrong and we're calling you out on it. And you either do something or we're going to do something. When that, that was going on in the Watergate era, was there a six-year involved there? I mean, we're back into this numerology now. But I mean, in terms of history, perhaps not repeating itself, but rhyming, do you see elements of that in times where we have been alive? I remember the Watergate era very vividly. And my dominant thought day in and day out until Nixon's resignation was, how long is this going to go on? Where, where is the end to all of this? And the sad part is it was the beginning. Wow, it was the beginning. Heavy. You know, and it's interesting because 1972, which is when Watergate took place, was a one universal year. Hmm. And again, not getting rid of the things in the nine year that you need to get rid of. We didn't do it. We just carried it forward and we just let it metastasize and fester and grow and grow and grow. Um yeah, just it's just amazing. It is absolutely astounding. So, you know, collectively, individually, this year, people need to, to again, they need to take responsibility. They need to get involved. They can. We cannot sit back and allow the local systems to be hijacked. Oh yeah, a bunch of thugs. Right, and they are right now, especially here in Florida. You talk about in your newsletter that um, what other elements are improvements in the realm of education, communities, organizations, and responsibilities and service to others. I think about uh, what's been happening with education, virtual education, people in and out of school, teachers getting sick. You know, what is happening in the education system is a big question. We went to the bank yesterday and the bank was closed. And I said to Gary, well, there's two possibilities. The bank is either temporarily closed because of um, too many workers in the bank having COVID, or the bank is temporarily closed because people are doing so much online banking, they don't need to keep this branch open. And they they recommended another branch that was about uh, two miles down the road. And, And so... I think our systems really are in the process of fundamentally changing during the during the pandemic, things like education and how we do business and and how organizations run. And 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 you you talk, this is a year for adjustments, reassessments, and working together in a responsible fashion. That's a direct quote a year for adjustments, reassessments, and working together in a responsible fashion. I think we have been making some adjustments in how we, you know, go out and and deal with people and have our lives. We are reassessing. I, I don't need to go into a bank anymore. I've been in a bank with online banking. I don't need to do that. And, and, and I mean, up here, the number of bank branches that have closed in New Jersey is mind boggling. Yeah. Now they're starting to turn them into other businesses. Starbucks is taking some of them over. And, and you know, I, I, my background, I was in the restaurant business for a long time. And I have mm. a friend here who has a restaurant. Shut up and eat. Um, and um, 
And I've said to her, I said, the industry has changed. Yes. And the people who will be successful, the people who will be able to stay in business will be the people who find a way to adjust. Um, look mm -hmm. at McDonald's is slowly um, doing away with the people behind the counter because you just need a touch screen. You don't need somebody there taking your order anymore. And my mom used to was in banking. And I remember her back in the 60s saying that the day will come where there will be no cash. The banks don't want to handle cash. It will end up being something else. And that's where we are. I have an online bank. I haven't stepped foot in a bank in, in 12 years. Um, I get all the services I need. I don't have any problems. Um, they're actually quite generous as a bank. Um, the banking, restaurant industry, retail, I think you're going to see the, uh, the demise of um, cashiers. And malls. We've got clothes. Well, well, mall, yeah, and I, quite honestly, thank yeah. God. <laughs> speaking of which, Michael, speaking of which, and there are many listening to us who will recall this, University Village, close by the University of Washington in Seattle, which wasn't a huge mall. It wasn't a big uh, indoor mall or anything like that. It was your average University Village type mall. And yet yeah, I used to laugh. At one time, they had four Starbucks. Mm-hmm. So this is close by a university. Kids stay up late working on a term paper, guzzling their coffee. I get it. I did some of that. It wasn't Starbucks, but I did it back in the day. And so you've got this essentially a large and attractive strip mall with four Starbucks, three separate stores. And then upstairs at the Barnes and Noble, you had to have yet another Starbucks. Right. Going, there, there is not only the ultra commercialization of American society that's been going on for a long time. It's that it's so homogenized. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you could airdrop someone into any city near an interstate, and if you dropped them on highways, they wouldn't know where they were, but they would look around and, wow, that's, I, that same shopping center is in my town. Same yep. lineup of stores, same location. I think the mall has seen its time. And, and it's interesting because we have a local mall here, and uh, they, which had a Sears that went out of business. And they just chopped that whole end of the mall off, and they ended up building stores on the perimeter. Because I think we've gotten to the point now, I don't want to go into the mall to buy something. I'll go and run into a store and come back out. But I don't want to get out of my car, walk to the other end of the mall to get what I want so I can walk back to my car. So, and, and this is really interesting because of the, the people involved. There's a mall up in the next county north of here, which is owned by the Kushner family. You oh, wow. Name? Great. And this was one of the premier mall. It, it actually was the premier mall at the Jersey Shore. And they are now converting it into a mixed use. I mean, this, they had Lord and Taylor's and all these high end stores. And it's now going to be a combination of residential, professional, and retail. They're yep. making it into kind of a town center um, because the mall. The, that mall died quicker than my local one here, which was just astounding because Monmouth County is a much more affluent town or county. Um, it's a whole different element, different vibration. And that mall just kind of faded into oblivion. 
So I think we're going to see the malls be repurposed. I mean, why couldn't they be turned into housing? You repurposed a, a bank here, a walking distance from where we are into a very successful restaurant. Right. And, and, and all of the outdoor um, drive-through lanes are now outdoor eating. And so they've got a band there and they've got outdoor eating and the inside of the bank is inside eating. So do you want to eat inside or outside? And, right. and they have that all together. I said to Gary, you know, I'm, I'm hearing about uh, all these uh, electric cars, Ford 150, the Ford 150 truck is going to be the first all electric truck coming on board soon. And I said to Gary, we're going to see all kinds of gas stations closing. Right. People will, will stop buying gas. Well, Ford has said by 2030, they will make no more gasoline-drip-powered cars. Yeah, That's Volvo quite a commitment. has said the same thing. General Motors has said the, the gasoline thing, that's why these people that are holding on to coal and stuff. I'm sorry, you might as well be talking about dinosaurs. It's, it's not viable anymore. Right. And so, yes. And this whole thing, everything has shifted right underneath our feet. Yeah. And, you know, and again, I think COVID has something to do with it because it really forced people into reevaluating how we do things. Um, oh, it definitely has. We, we've definitely reevaluated how we've done things. I have friends that um, no longer grocery shop. They, right. they have the app. It's not expensive. They pull right. it out. The groceries are delivered to them. And I'm amazed because that's one trip that I still make out. I still go to the grocery store wearing a or mask. Or you can order it and then they'll bring it out to your car. When you get there, you call them and they, it's right. curbside delivery. They just bring your whole order out to you. I, I see my local supermarket, which opened just a couple of years ago. And then in the first couple of years, they turned one whole section of the, the store into the groceries to go thing. They must have six employees back there running around the stores, picking all these orders and people come and they take it out to the car and they're gone. So yeah, grocery shopping, the I, restaurant I, business, even yeah, the medical yeah. thing. You can talk to your doctor on Zoom now. I do. And she I do. Does. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, Sierra, this to me, this is a a very pedestrian example of history, not repeating itself, but rhyming at grocery stores, Walgreens, etc. They will bring your order out to you. And it's reminiscent of the drive-ins of the 50s. But none of these guys are wearing roller skates. <laughs> right. see, so, you know, so it, it's not like Arnold's drive-in or something. Right. But you have this accessibility because of the need to be careful, the need right. to be self-preservation being the first law of nature. If commercial life mirrors our need and serves our need to stay healthy, to stay alive, I'm all for it. This tells me that in our economy, if you look at the numbers, don't listen to what people, oh, Biden has ruined this country. Oh, the inflation. Oh, it's so terrible. Bad things are happening, but a lot more good things are happening. Right. Our economy is still at bottom instead of being at the bottom, bottom line is we're a healthy economy. We're still growing. Right. And, and the ironic part, too, in many ways, is that COVID has kind of forced us back into um, a kind of a mindset, a way of doing things that is reminiscent of the 50s, 
where you knew your local grocery and he would bring your groceries to the house for you. And the pharmacy would deliver your, your, your prescriptions to you. So we've kind of gone full circle and necessity has forced us back into that kind of service, which is you know kind of interesting. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah, the economy, I agree. Uh, the thing that gets me is that, that the people on the right screaming about inflation, who are also the people who are so pro-capitalism. So obviously they don't really understand capitalism because the, the one of the basic tenets of capitalism is supply and demand. Mm -hmm. Prices go up when supply is low because that's the way it works. And obviously go to any store, supplies are low. Yes. You know, so of course the price is going to go up. Suzanne, why don't you and I hear from Michael about, we've got two minutes. He can give the whole story, I'm sure, in two minutes. Look Between now and the end of the year, what should people be focusing on to live their best life yet? What do you have to work with in 2022? Uh, again, get involved in your neighborhood. Go out and meet your neighbors. Create sense of community on, on the micro and the macro levels. Uh, we need to realize that we are in this together. We, you know, we've been isolated for two years, um, you know, and I think the internet has kind of isolated people even long before that. But you need to reconnect to your town. You need to reconnect to your community, whether it's a condo community, a townhouse community, whatever the case may be, wherever you live. Go out and meet your neighbors. Get, start to create a, a collective sense of, of unity and togetherness so we can get through this without killing one another. Um, pay attention to, to, to the education, pay attention. Again, service to others is, the, is, is what the six is all about. Taking care of one another, being cognizant of the needs of those around you and doing what you can to help wherever you can. If we could all start doing that with one another, it would kind of snowball but to me that that's probably the most important thing that people need to do is become responsible be of service think of not only yourself think of your family think of the family that is your neighborhood think of the family that is your community and your state and beyond because if we don't do that we are going to be a nation of 330 million individual nations I was, um, I read a quote about maturity the other day that said maturity is about being responsible for more than your own comfort and self-development. And I thought, you know, we could use a little maturity being yeah. responsible for more than just ourselves. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michael. Oh, John my pleasure. Carroll. It was a great hour and I'm really glad you spent it with us. Great. Thanks for having me. And we'll have you back and see how we're doing perhaps in mid-year. Thank you, uh, Mike. Mid-year, mid I might be down there. I'll come and do an in-studio. In <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. That would be wonderful. Thank you, Michael John Fierro. Coming, Coming up, up next. next is the Christine Up Church Show. And in a little bit later at uh, 1 o'clock Pacific time is American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. Have a great weekend, everyone. All right. You also. Happy.